Welcome to our Holden Village podcast. For over 50 years now, Holden Village has traveled a rich history of faith that has transformed a copper mining town into a vibrant place of education, programming, and worship. Holden has sought to welcome all who seek contemplation and community in the remote wilderness of the beautiful Cascade Mountains. We continue to invite people of all ages to come alongside our rhythms, which inspire and equip travelers for a sustainable life of faith outside the village. And we continue to listen and reflect on our story and history and seek to discover our place in God's creative mission in our world. Our podcasts are a way of sharing our conversations with our teaching faculty around reformation, the reforming of our relationships with the earth, with each other, and with the divine. Let's tune in and join the conversation. Well, my name is Terry Kylo. I've been a Lutheran pastor for 27 years um, in the ELCA. I live in, of course, Washington. Uh, right now, I serve uh, two, two organizations. Um, uh, one's called Neighbors in Faith, and one is called the Tracy Levine Center. Um, what happened with me in the last five years, my career really took a, a, an interesting turn, one I did not expect at all. I was doing some interfaith dialogue in Marysville, Washington, around 2012, 2013, and met a really great Muslim man, and uh, he's a good friend of mine now. And uh, so we were do having this dialogue, and then as I was doing some other work around the region, I met some folk in Oak Harbor who wanted uh, to have some kind of an event where people in Oak Harbor could meet a Muslim and talk about some of their fears and concerns and, and some of the stereotypes that they, that they had. So we went to the public library in Oak Harbor, Washington, and about 90 people showed up. And I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea, but, I, but my friend did. And there was a lot of magic that happened in that room with people meeting a Muslim for the first time and realizing that this, this man's just a, a person. And uh, that he was very patient with their questions and even with the, with the rude ones. And, uh, and so we did four or five more of those uh, around Western Washington. And then after uh, the Paris violence happened, um, in 2015, uh, I went to stop in for tea with my friend. And he, uh, I asked him how, how he was doing and how the Muslim community was doing. And he said it was pretty bad because every time you know, something like that happens around the world and every time it's Muslim, folk really focus on the religious uh, uh, sort of component of it. If it's a Christian like Dylan Roof, nobody ever heard about Dylan Roof being a Lutheran, uh, and no one ever called him a radical Lutheranist, but if he had been Muslim, we would have heard about it. And so I said, well, would you want to do something about this? About, you know, the, the kind of the microaggressions that are taking place toward our Muslim neighbors. And so by that evening, we had put together an, an event. Um, we had a place, we had a mosque and a church willing to host it. And so we, on December 14th, we hosted this event called Love in a Time of Fear. And in between our announcing the event and having five or six speakers, um, we, the San Bernardino attack happened, and then Donald Trump came out with his idea about a total and complete shutdown of all Muslims entering the country. 
And so instead of having 125 people or something like that, we ended up with 450 people and news coverage and police protection for the event. And so the next morning after this event happened and it, the event went really well, I looked up uh, you know, my email and began to see emails coming in from colleagues in the Episcopal Lutheran churches in Western Washington saying, would I be willing to organize an event like that at their place? Because they also wanted to push back against anti-Muslim sentiment because they, like me, had learned some lessons uh, from history uh, about how Lutherans uh, participated in, were, were passive about, were in denial about, of the dehumanization of Jews in the 1930s in Germany, and we see something sort of similar happening today. And uh, if we can't learn from the 1930s and 40s in Germany uh, and behave differently this time, then, then what are we about? You know, are we a living tradition that can learn from the mistakes of our, of our ancestors and our tradition, or are we just a bad habit repeating itself over and over again? So um, I had kind of a gut decision to make. Uh, do I say yes to organizing these events, or do I you know, go on with the two churches I was serving, which kept me plenty busy? Well, that spring, um, I ended up doing uh, 10 events around the Puget Sound um, called Love in a Time of Fear, sometimes with three speakers, sometimes with five. And it was really powerful. And I, I realized that, that uh, our political climate, we were dehumanizing each other at, at, at ever-increasing speeds that were essentially forgetting how to recognize other human beings. And that... Uh, that faith communities have an incredible power uh, to help us gather together and rehumanize us uh, to others and help um, us to see other human beings as human. Um, and in this process, I've, I've learned some things. I've learned that the core of the Abrahamic tradition is very simple. It's to love God more than tribe and tradition and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And what I fear is, is happening is that, is that for those of us in, in religious traditions, we've kind of retribalized monotheism. Monotheism was all about helping human beings realize that instead of every tribe having its own God, and when we fight, there's, uh, our God is fighting the other tribe's God up in heaven somewhere. Instead, there's one God who's the creator of all human beings. And, and therefore, when we have a problem with our neighboring tribe, we need to work it out because they're our third cousins. They're a part of God's, God's creation, and they're made in the image of God, and so we need to work it out. And But I, what I fear has happened is that we've retribalized this, and, and I hear it a lot when I go to churches and, and, talk, about, um, and talk about our Muslim neighbors and, and help, help congregations work through some of their initial racism. So what happened to me in this, this process is that I, I realized I couldn't keep working in a church. Um, and so I resigned from one church in 2016, uh, before the election uh, of, of Donald Trump, and uh, I began to go out and do public events, um, sometimes small, sometimes larger, and uh, to, to go into churches on Sunday morning and try to encourage people to do some simple things. Um, Sam Wells, uh, a, a historian that talks about Bonhoeffer, says that in Germany, Lutherans made two mistakes. One was that we didn't stand up for, for our Jewish neighbors adequately. And number two, and previous to that, we didn't know them. 
So what would happen this time if we just encouraged congregations uh, all around the country to uh, encourage them to bring people together from diverse, as much diversity as they can, pack into a room and have people eat together and play together and share stories and do service projects and then eventually stand up for each other's human rights. And so that's what I began to do in the fall of 2016. And, um, and, and I, I didn't have any funding really to start off with. I just had to trust that funding would come along. I had good support from the Lutheran bishops in Western Washington and also from the Episcopal Church. Uh, the, the, and so they were really supportive, but they couldn't offer a lot of funds. And somehow, uh, um, you know, I've made it <laughs> through and, and made enough money to survive on. Um, and it, and up at this point now, I've done 48 public events where I've created space for Muslim voices to be heard. And I've spoken at hundreds of smaller gatherings and churches on Sunday morning and, and that sort of thing uh, to try to push back on some of the dehumanization that's taking place. And I've, I've also learned in the middle of this, of course, that, that this dehumanization is not random. There are about, about 30 or 35 hate groups in the country um, that the Southern Poverty Law Center has identified who spend about $30 million a year to bear false witness against our Muslim neighbors. And so these groups are organized. They research their messaging. Um, what most people do when we have a large event is they ask four questions. Uh, about Islam and women, Islam and peace, uh, Islam and democracy, Islam and other religions. And the reason they ask those four questions is because the Islamophobia industry has taught them to ask those four questions. And there's a lot of news media that replicate and reinforce those messages. And now we have a lot of politicians actually in the White House who are part of that hate industry um, that we call the Islamophobia industry. And so... Um, that's my work with Neighbors in Faith and with the Tracy Levine Center. Um, I, I became the executive director in January of 2015. It's a historic interfaith organization that began as a Jewish, as a rabbi, who grew up in Russia having heard people chant in the streets, kill the Christ killer. He saw the dehumanization happening toward Roman Catholics as John F. Kennedy was being elected. And so... He, he went to Como TV, uh, the, the, to their president and, and, and director, and said, you know, we, we need to do something about this in the media. So he and uh, a Roman Catholic priest and a Protestant minister, a lot of time they were Lutheran, um, uh, began to do a TV show called The Challenge. And they took, it was basically an interfaith, uh, topical, uh, you know, kind of current, talk, current affairs kind of program. And it ran for 14 years. And so uh, um, in the last uh, few months here now, we've begun to re, uh, restart the challenge program. We call it Challenge 2.0. It runs on MeTV, and it's on our website at TracyLevineCenter.org. And uh, we've got a really great host, uh, Jeff Renner, who used to be the, the TV weather person for King 5 News in Seattle. And, uh, and we're, we've got about 10 shows taped. And we're, we're trying to show people, that the people of different faith traditions can come together and not only be in the same room, but learn from and with each other and build on what each other brings and, uh, and, 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 and show religion as a way to combat some of the dehumanization that is taking place in our country. I think in, in, in the West, uh, the United States and Europe to some degree, um, the common wisdom is that religion is the source of all dehumanization, the source of all wars. 
Of course, a lot of studies have been done about the latter claim and found that religion had little, little or nothing to do with most wars. Maybe only 10% of wars had some minor religious component. Um, but nevertheless, people are tribalizing along religious lines today, as we are along many other kinds of lines. And to show uh, people of, of, of who are well-read, who are leaders of communities, um, uh, faith traditions and wisdom traditions and community leaders coming together to discuss difficult topics like white supremacy or racism or the Me Too movement. And it's really, really important for us to get that message out there because right now the only message folk are hearing are folk at the very extremes of all ideological spectrums. And, uh, and honestly, um, we've got we've to show some messages that, that, that we're, we're, we're far more alike than we are different. Thanks for joining us for another Holden Village podcast. Be sure to view the links in the description for more information or visit our website to find out more about the village. We hope you will make a pilgrimage to Holden. Blessings and peace to you.